Oh, I thought I thought you were going to jump in like you usually do. I was giving you. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the Utajua Hujui podcast, brought to you by the host who does the most, who likes to toast and eat toast, the one and only Aileen. Clap, 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 clap. Thank you. I don't need to speak anymore. And also the incredible, greatest of all time. Some people say, best voice in Kenya. With the best ideas, greatest mind, you know, just the greatest person ever. His one and only, his excellency. Some even call him Commander of the Fish and Sea. Uh, you're trying the... to make me sound like Idi Amin, and <laughs> I reject it. Of the I land. reject. I rebuke and reject. But I'm great, and uh, welcome to the Utajua Hujui podcast. Today we are drinking. Um, Aileen is drinking. Carito Gold. Um, she's waiting for a sponsorship. Uh, green mint tea with a purple box. Green tea and mint, and the boxes alternate between blue and purple because the tea bags, not like the bags, but like little packages, alternate between blue and purple. I don't know why they chose those colors. They should. But hey, green tea, which is green, and mint. Which is green. They, it should have been green. It should have been. But green. I think it must be that they already had a green packet. No, no, no. Like, okay, how do we? Feel? So, so their lemon. So the green tea and lemon is green and yellow. So I that one's already been taken. It's actually quite refreshing. I would imagine if you cooled it down, maybe added a bit of sugar, it'd be like it would make a nice sweet mixer that you could like dump a bunch of whiskey into. You can't drink tea with sugar. Yes, you can if you if you're doing iced tea. Yuck. Yeah. Iced tea is not a thing, by the way, guys. Iced tea is not a thing. Them's is, them's fighting words. It's trash. Those are fighting it's words. Trash. The best if you want tea, get it hot, get tea leaves, or at most tangawizi tea bag. Put it in hot water. If it's with water, put the tea bag with hot water only. If it is with milk, then you're allowed to put a little sugar. Okay. So you see, black water doesn't do well with sugar. It doesn't. Like even a black coffee. Why do you think people are like coffee black? They don't say coffee black, two sugars. I mean, no Kenyan says two sugars. By sometimes the way. I ask for sugar syrup with my coffee. Sugar syrup. But sugar syrup That's is basically cold coffee. water and they sugar. They only do sugar syrup for cold coffees. They will also I give you. Coffee. I can't actually fight you on this one because I know you. You know your coffee. They do sugar syrup with cold brews, and cold brews are allowed because cold brews. Don't hide to be like a juice, like iced tea does. They're cold. It seems like you have a very anti-tea agenda today. No, I love tea. Mm. I love tea. Mm. In fact, I farm tea. Mm-hmm. The problem I have is these fancy packets of tea with people who are saying they need to put honey, sugar, I don't know what, make it into a chaser for alcohol. Yes! Which, by the way, she's not lying. She does that. <laughs> Like you're making her, it she'll you're, make like her green tea and actually actually in fact whatever. she'll cool it down yes yes and pour it into like a bigger thing yes and, and then pour like a half a bunch beer. of whiskey and, and maybe gonna, like a hundred milliliters to 200 milliliters of whiskey and i'm gonna throw you under the bus sure do you think her whiskey is like for, you know for you throw okay it's well, it feels good to do that to you <laughs> johnny black no rehebesha do you think it's even William Lawson? Rehebesha. No. Do you think it's Red Label? No. 
what whiskey does this lady put in hunter's her choice and proud hunter's choice hunter's choice and proud i roughly know how much she used to earn how can she say she can't afford a Jameson, you know? Because at the rate at which I was drinking, it does not make any economic sense for if me to buy, buy Jamie's. Because you don't drink that much. If not anymore, one no. One bottle of Jamie, like the big one, and had it for the whole month for your Fridays, that would work. Ex- Point is, but because I don't drink, I don't think about it. I just go for what I know. Because, mm-hmm. like, again, there's a certain point at which you're drinking to get drunk, so it doesn't really matter what you're tasting right Mm -hmm. and then there's the drinking where you want to savor the experience and Mm. you're chatting with friends that's when you bring out the top shelf whiskey that's when you go for the glenn fittiches and the glenn levets and the jamesons and 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 yes something and the and there's this whiskey in how much your mother um the one the the one that kept breaking is it uh, mckenna something mckenna neat or something like yeah Mm -hmm. Or whatever what it's not mckenna neat that just sounds okay fine how i met your mother whiskey great mckenna something mckenna no i don't think it's what it is glenn mckenna glenn, Mc- glenn mckenna is a fictional one mm-hmm. yeah you think those are real well it does sound a lot like glenn fiddich so i really thought maybe they're pointing towards that it's possible mm. so you can put your caveat now that clip you say oh i swear a lot oh no i i always put that at the very beginning but you put it in the middle of the no, 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 no. I usually put it at the beginning. Um, I'm actually thinking about removing it because at this point, if you don't know, you don't know. Like it's your fault. <laughs> you like I've done. I've done my best. I cannot share these podcasts with my pals. Yeah, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Have I ever swore? Have I ever swore? Not on not not on a medium that has recorded you swearing. No. Do you know, there was a point I was sitting with my sister and she was making me listen to this podcast. You. <laughs> And then there's a point in that podcast where you actually said, and I quote, fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> what can you do there? It's, I, I, like, fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck is like, you know, that. I don't know how to explain it. It's just. She swears so much. Well, you they. kiss s- your brother with that mouth. Ew, what the hell is wrong with you? You know exactly no, what you mean. No, I don't know what you meant. That's gross. You kiss your mother with that mouth. Is that better? Oh. And you've, 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 you've ruined this. You've ruined this for me. Gross. People are going to start thinking of me as some random weird pedophile. Please. Well, not me. pedophile because my brother is 22. I was so... saying that thing that cute people do in America. In you kiss your they, mother with that mouth? siblings no. and, and children and whatever and... Like okay, so I have I have thing. been seeing that like some parents now are like kissing their kids who are like four and five, yeah. and I always find it really weird because it's, it's weird. like that is now like a that's somebody that's becoming a person and like this is this is weird. But I guess you're teaching your kid affection. I think you Learn are. That, you're, that this is how affection. Yeah, and like this is this is very open. It's very mm-hmm. natural. Like just embrace it as a part of of mm-hmm. life. Um, but that actually has not been what's on my mind mm-hmm. recently. I'm going to give you two choices. Choose left or right. <gasps> How dare you? What have I done? Choose. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to rat you out just in case you send this to you. So my left or the is right? No, no, no. You need to tell me. Tell me which side is left. This is left. Correct. Yeah. So you yes. chose left. Yes. Okay. I recently learned what a Colombian necktie is. The, the way that they would hang people. No, it, that's. I thought it was hanging too, but it's not. Okay. It's so much worse. So it's apparently they cut your throat open, then pull your tongue through. That's a Colombian 
necktie. And I was like, what the fuck? Who came up with this? Cue Nakwa's music. Oh my God, that is crazy. But you know? But thankfully the person is dead when that's happening. So it's a small... It's a small salvation. By the way, I, I, I did some homework, and I was like, I'm going to make you do this homework also. What? So, and I want you to do this to as many people as you do. I said it in the, in the Capping Good Asics podcast, okay. but I've really started doing this experiment, and it is really fascinating to me. Okay. Please, I beg you, any individual you meet, ask them to tell you the Capping Good Asics. Like all six of all them? All six. <laughs> average I've been getting is two. Because everyone knows Kenyatta. Like, everyone Joe knows Kenyatta. Kagia. And then I know there's a guy called and I and I did this episode. Did this episode. <laughs> I researched it for like a month and I still know jack shit about what's going on. Kenyans of the world, I beg you, I request try and name the Kapenguria six without Googling and tell us how far you went. Tell her. Tell her. Don't tell me. Okay. I already know you failed. So on on that note, um, I think you're the one doing I'm the Bantorius activity today. Yes. Bantorius so, is from Love Island, by the way. Um, Shout out, Zach. Although so not today. I was feeling a bit mabogovanyo. Mm-hmm. So I mixed two things. Mm-hmm. So part one is going to be uh, a quiz. Just four questions. Part two is going to be philosophical questions. Okay. And then you'll tell me when we're going too far and you'll cut me off and I will reject it, but I will then give up later. Okay. Cool. Wait. Mm-hmm. For a minute. I just want to make sure this audio is recording because it's looking hella sus on my end. Okay. And we're back. Turns out the sus one was me. That is always the fact. That is always So rude. You're supposed to be like, no, you're blameless. You're like a magical ethereal mermaid that has blessed us with her presence. Even though every day she spends on this earth, kills her and takes her away from her family. Like some aerial shit, you know? My mama taught me not to tell lies. (laughs) <laughs> okay, go. Just go. Just go. So, mm-hmm. of the last, uh, so we're recording this the day before Monday, Mando Terror Week, and so somehow, I don't know why. I think it's totally random. My my mind went to Daniel Moy. Yeah, sure. It's random. It's, it's, yeah, it's completely random. random. It's random. Please don't attack me. I'm, I'm fine. For compl- I'm not against you. For completely random reasons. Random. I started thinking like you don't know why your brain is making these connections. No idea. <laughs> so I was like, okay. There was like a long time ago, before Aileen joined our previous employment, where I actually developed a four-question quiz on Daniel Arab. Oh, God. And I want to see how well you're going to do. Okay. Okay. Let's sure. go. Uh huh. Number one. Uh huh. In 1961, Daniel mm-hmm. Moy was appointed as a minister in the transitional government before independence. Mm-hmm. What was his docket? I can give you options. Yes, please. Interior ministry. Mm-mm. Home affairs. God no. Animal husbandry. Uh, and education. I think it was education. Cause. Because just knowing from what I know about Kenya history, Home Affairs would have gone to uh, Kikuyu. Same with Interior. I am before Kanu came into the picture. But this is when... This was Kanu and KP. This is when they were negotiating, though, right? Yes, this is when Kanu was like, they were like, Kanu's out of the team. So it was uh, was, a... I can't remember the other guy. He was from the coast. Gala? Yeah, yeah, Gala, Gala. Like, I'm so proud of myself as a Costarian for getting that name. You're not a Costarian. I am a Costarian. I'm a Costarian, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, I'm going to guess. I'm going to stick with education. Am I, am I right? 
Unfortunately. You're right. Yay! Next question. Okay. Daniel Moy was a founding member of the Kenya African De- Democratic Union, mm-hmm. KADU. Mm-hmm. To do so, he had to dissolve his own regional party. Mm-hmm. What was his regional party called? I don't know. Um, the Kenya People's Union? You're being, no, okay, you have to remember something, which you all said in an, one of your other podcasts. Yeah. Before the KADU and KADU, they were only allowed to have regional parties. So, it, so it's going to reference the name of his place, but I don't know where he's from. Like, I, I want to say... It can't be Rift Valley because I was too big. No wonder you no start doing masters and PhDs and things like that. You're thinking too much. His people were called what? Kalenjins? Exactly. His name was Kalenjin Political Alliance. KPA. That was his party. That seems... I don't know. And then this one. This one is the most interesting for me. What was President Moy's favorite breakfast combination? What was it? Was it full English breakfast? Was it morosik with a touch of bread? Okay. Was it bread and tea? Was it doma and tea? Hmm. Was it boiled green maize with porridge? I think it was boiled green maize and porridge because I remember hearing something about him being very religious about that. Can you imagine? This is why this guy lived till ninety. He to eat <laughs> breakfast. Wasn't he like a hundred or something? Green. Like nearly, nearly a hundred. You know all these guys we could only kind of estimate they have birthdays but those birthdays are all lies uh, but it was boiled green maize with porridge and tea okay and i'm sorry i love my kenya that's nasty it's a very it's a that very carb like like imagine now gen z is looking at that that's carb on carb with dairy it's it's not so much that like as much as it is like a basic meal in terms of flavor it's just it's just basic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Green it just sounds like a very mm, like it, mm. and underwhelming. Underwhelming is what I'm looking for. Underwhelming. And my my final of two questions, and then the your final, final of two. two. Whatever. Your penultimate. There we go. Thank you. You're the one who does English. One of Moy's biggest allies, his name was Peter Olo Aringo. Mm-hmm. Described Moy as what? The giraffe of Kenyan politics. Mm. That is Jaramogi who described him as the giraffe. Was, was he a... Sees far. Was he a... Pa- no, no, no. This, this was an ally. His enemies called him a passing cloud, I think. Or something to that, that effect. That was Jonjo? Um... Think Bible. Like, what What are some of the, like, descriptive names they would call, like, Jesus and God? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Heavenly Father. Wow, that is a bit too much. Son... Elohim, JC. Of peace. Ugh, the irony. (laughs) It's so gross. the Prince of Peace. That's so fucking gross. Uh Finally, before we now go to the the political, the philosophical question. Mm -hmm. Now, what was the colonial name of these prominent leaders? We know I don't don't have an English name. You like your English name? I do, for the most part. If it wasn't for that stupid. You know what, Eileen Wernos? You've been through some things. Let me not not add on to that pile. But I will tell you. That our children will not have English names. Yeah, your children will not have English names. And me, anyone I'm interacting with, I'll be like, even if you don't marry me, your children know English names. Or we fight. Let them have like weird African names. That's fun. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Jomo Kenyatta. His English name. Why don't I know 
know this. I feel like I... Johnston? Correct. Mwai Kibaki. Emilio two. Stanley. Correct. Kwame Nkrumah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you let me build up my confidence. <laughs> he was called Francis. Really? Imagine. Really? Yeah. I don't pick, picture him as a Francis. None of these... Googie and you pictured Kibaki as Emilio Stanley. Well, it's just... It's, you know, one of those facts that's been burned into your brain? Yeah, but could you picture it like... No, he looks he looks more like a George. Maybe like a Christopher. No. You see George. You see like George is like a it's a strong name. George. George Kibaki. His name is Emilio Stanley. Mm Mm-hmm. Gogi Wadiongo. I don't know. Sorry, Mr. Professor Gogi. His name was James Gogi. His name was James. Jaramogi Odinga. What was his first name? He had an English name? Yeah, this is like his Christian name. What is it? And I found it and I laughed for a long time. Obadiah Adonija. <laughs> Obadiah what? Obadiah Adonija. I don't, Ad- Adoni- I don't think, I don't think Adonija is a... But Obadiah. That was Obadiah. Obadiah. It reminds me of like, uh, what, what are those American people who are... The Amish? Yeah, yeah like an <laughs> Amish person. Your name is Obadiah. Obadiah here is just tending to the horses. Okay, is it like is there any relation between the names that they had as English names and the names they chose, the names that they adopted? Embrace. I know, like Jaramogi, it's literally the story of Ramogi. Ramogi is like a, a, like a a Luo folk hero. Mm -hmm. They're not really sure if he lived or not, Mm -hmm. but he was like this famous great warrior. Mm And so when Jaramogi was growing up, um, I think in the 40s, they named him Jaramogi, the son of Ramogi, mm-hmm. or he who comes from Ramogi. Mm-hmm. And so that's how he got his name, Jaramogi. Uh, Jomo Kenyatta, I don't remember, something like it was a belt. I can't remember the story, but it was interesting. Gugi Wathiongo, it was just James. These were people from Catholic areas where they had to have probably more than one English name. I'm sure he has another one. Anyone I'm who sure comes he from does. the Muru, Kiambu area has two English names. Nyeri. Nyeri and, and Catholics. Catholics also normally have two English names. And then now the other two. Musalia Mudavadi. What's I his know, name? Harry? Harry. Oh, Henry, sorry. Henry. He, his name is Wycliffe. Don't know if that's English, but that's his name. Wycliffe Musalia Mudavadi. And finally, one of my favorite politicians, Anyang Nyongo. Oh, what's his English name? Peter. You know what? I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> and by the way, people don't give a Nyang Nyongo enough credit. He needs all like, the credit. The guy like was leading in Vision 2030. He did so many things. So many great things. Like he's a great mind. He's okay. a fantastic. It's he's one of those people who I think for better or worse will never become president. For, I think for his own personal reasons. I don't think he doesn't seem like he aspires to and that right now. By yeah. Um, as, as in, in terms of like being the head of the uh-huh. opposition. Um, but I also think that we as a nation would benefit potentially from having mm-hmm. a man like him I think wielding so many, that type of influence. I, think I trust so him. so many sort of like untold heroes or great minds mm-hmm. from the 90s and the 2000s mm-hmm. that um, were politicians that we've sort of just forgotten how big they were. People like Anyang Nyongo. James Orengo. Oh my goodness. You know what they were called? Like him and their group, the backbenchers. I think I think it was John Joe who called them. The seven bearded sisters. So even like even Fifth Estate where you hear about the, the bearded, bearded sisters. sisters. 
it's because of people like Orengo and Nyamnyongo. They were noisemakers who were very clever. Okay. Um, so people like Nyamnyongo, then you have the Mishukis, you have the... There are some great people who've done great things in terms of uh, Kenyan history that don't get the credit they deserve. Like one day someone should just do like history things on them. Like Kenya's unknown heroes and just talk about how much they changed. Maybe the one day I could. We, 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 always, we never Another know. Another one is... Um, not Kidure Kindiki, but his name starts with a K. Former M- uh, Makweni governor. Makweni governor? Man, like everyone loved him. Okay, hang on. Makweni governor. He lost like, I think he was running for senator or something this time. Uh, Kilonzo? Former, former, former. Okay. How is that, that losing my, former. my mind? Peter Kilu? Professor Kivutha Kibwana? Kivutha Kibwana. <laughs> he was big for like the Kenyan law, the history of Kenyan law. He was major. He retired from elective politics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also people like Muita, who we just see on like presidential ballots. Those are guys who've like done great things. So part one done. Oh wait. Be, okay. Because, because, because mm-hmm. we've been bantering for like 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like we, if we ask these questions, we'll banter for another 20. Like, and I don't want that to be the episode. Uh, Not today anyway. But you can ask me those questions at the end. Yes? I'm going to make you rush through this so fast. Well, good for you. The script is only six pages. Guess how many words? If it's six pages, 2100. 3,063 words. Oh my God, how did that fit in six pages? Oh, I mean... Doing like 500 words a page. What's your font? 11. No, Calibri's body 12. Who uses Calibri? It's the set font on the word thing. Calibri is the most ugly font. How dare you? You know the best font? Garamond. And, and then there's one that, that, that Google Docs have done on Garamond called EB Garamond. That is the best. I am a Calibri girl myself. That's nasty. That's I'm a terrible. Calibri girl. Move to like but, Ariel. Get some ew, personality. But Ariel? Ooh. Be like at least like all Kenyan Or Times New Roman. Times New Roman. Or Tahoma. Or, or if you're Gava, Tahoma. Tahoma. You know, <laughs> have some personality. Don't just do Calibri. No, because like you're not thinking about it, are you? Anyway, so. change it every time. So, mm-hmm. ready to get this episode started? It started a long time ago. Ready to get this ago. content the main, the meat to the potatoes and veggies of this meal. Are you calling my previous things potatoes and veggies? Potatoes are the best oh. vegetable. Okay, I thought you were going to say they were the best in the roast. I was going to no. look at you and say, excuse me? Because <laughs> I knew you were going to say me? it's the chicken that's the best in the so roast. I am the, this is what it is. I have given you guys the juicy chicken thighs, skin on, and she's now going to give you the dry breasts. That, You've been like weirdly that. sexual this episode. <laughs> like I don't know what I'm to sorry. do with this energy. I anyway, was about chicken. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> don't do that. Okay, so initially, this episode was supposed to be about eugenics. Do you know what eugenics is? No idea. Eugenics is the idea that everything, from like race to socioeconomic class to whether or not you need glasses or like your teeth or like your lips or everything, is a byproduct of genetics, right? Um, and if you wanted to say, for example, stop the existence of poverty, then all you need to do is prevent poor people from having children. That's what eugenics is. Okay. It, um, and another way of thinking about it, it's like artificial, insem- but it's like selective breeding, but for human beings. Oh, you know, 
ones yeah. the artificial insemination. No, 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 no. Sorry, cows. I meant I meant to say like selective breeding for human beings. It's like what we do for animals. Do you think that should be done? No. What? Because my que- because the question then becomes like who gets to decide what is and is not a valuable trait. Scientists would say if you're tall, if you have. True, but like, but like, but like, what if in healthy. what if in twenty years time being tall ends up being a being a hindrance to your development, your ability to live on this planet, and it benefits you more to be short. I think in terms of reproduction, we need to remove as much science as possible. Not that it is because I am short, but I'm just saying, <laughs> let's, let's remove science. We give these short kings an opportunity. Oh my to, god, I love a short king. To, I to, love to, a short to, king. To access these people. Thank you so much. <sighs> anyway, so I was going to focus on two doctors who conducted experiments in Kenya to prove two things. The first, that the Kenyan man was a different species of human being. And that this different species of human being was biologically and genetically inferior to the white man. When was this done? The 1930s. <laughs> Makes sense. So, like, as I was doing my research, like, I was, as I was really getting into it, it occurred to me that, like, it's not enough to debunk their beliefs, right? Because this does nothing to propel the conversation forward, or nor does it prove that Africans are inherently intelligent and capable and brilliant. Like, I know we are. All it does is prove those two doctors wrong. Mm. So I changed act. And instead of trying to prove or trying to examine what it is we're studying, I, was, I got to thinking, why is it that these men felt justified to hold these beliefs? What around them was telling them that white people are the shit and black people are not the shit, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I came to that one question, because that thing would have definitely been, you're looking around you and you're like, these black people are living in what I consider to be squalor. They don't have the same technologies that we do. Um, they're not literate. They don't have writing. Um, they believe in some crazy religion thing that's not as civilized as ours. And so you come up to this idea of like, well, they're just not as developed as us. And that is has to be because of biology, right? Closer to the chimp than the rest of us. Yes. But... Then I came, I decided to focus more on like the whole techno- technology aspect of it. Specifically, why didn't most of Africa develop like Europe or Asia or India or Mesoamerica? Wasn't the weather? <laughs> why the weather? That's what they always told us. They're like, the Europeans had to deal with harsh weather. No! It was, it was like, it made them more innovative. And uh, because of hibernation and the cold and protecting themselves, they develop okay, like okay, okay. It's it's now. not it's not so much. It has nothing to do with climate, as much as it is to do about like geography. Because like if you're in if you're in Antarctica, geography also. No, no, no. But like for example, but but by that same logic, then Inuits, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure what the correct term for them is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, I think it's Inuits. Inuits mm-hmm. um, would also Which have. I'm not going to say it. Okay, where are they from? Um, like Greenland, those really cold places up there. They're the ones in the cartoons that we see with like those... Okay, look, we used to call them Eskimos, but that's yeah, not what they broke. like being called anymore, okay? I was trying to be sensitive. God. I, I, I feel you. And because you said such judgmental things, I'm going to forgive you because you're my friend. If you were not my friend... Wow. I would love them. Okay, so, so, but if if it if indeed it was about weather, mm-hmm. right, that being in a cold place forced you to be more innovative, mm-hmm. then the Inuits would also be as developed as the English and the French and the Germans and the Dutch and the Spanish. Mm-hmm. 
but alas, no. But that also doesn't explain why a lot of the things that we take, we consider to be like Western invention, like algebra, mathematics, everything we knew about like medicine, um, everything we knew about astronomy, mm. that all came from the Arabs, mm. right? Um, so, but they live in a very hot place. Mm. So how do you explain that? So it's clearly not weather, mm-hmm. right? Um, and but the, the the question, like as I was asking that question, I kept going back to the question of like why is it that we didn't develop like the rest of the world? So you're confirming that the rest of the world was more developed than the African. That's not what I'm trying to say. Is that what you're trying no, to say? No, bec- no, I'm just no, not at all. In fact, I'm just querying why is it that, for example, uh, the Agekoyu, for the at least our understanding of what writing is, mm-hmm. is not what was imported to us through colonialism. Mm. We didn't have gunpowder. We did not come up with like paper money. We did mm. not come up with like all these things that helped their propel their civilizations. I know you don't like me taking on tangents, but wouldn't it have been an interesting situation if like Mzungu came to colonize Africa <laughs> Found and out. then realized these guys have guns? I think it would be fun. Isn't that basically what Black Panther is? Yeah, yeah like, like but what if you flipped it around? So, so like we had the gun. There's actually, like, we are here to conquer. And you're like, bitch. <laughs> no, actually, there's there's a really good fiction book called Knots and Crosses. And it flips the colonialism narrative on its head. Like by Mar- Mallory Blackman. I'm pretty sure you know it. Uh, okay, so in that book, instead of the white people colonizing us, it was the West African states that went to colonize them. So our cultures were you know, the dominant ones. It was, instead of it being white supremacy, it was black supremacy. And the BBC did a series about like knots and crosses. They actually put, you know, that book into onto, into the screen. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'm not going to lie, it was incredibly satisfying to watch. Mm-hmm. Just white people just be taken down a peg. It, it was, is, it, is a question it was painful to watch, but like, because you empathize with people who are being oppressed, but you also feel good because like, fuck you, we're bad, we're great. <laughs> if it was black people in that time, would we be the colonizers? I think so. I think, I is think it just like a point in human history I where think, they, just, they manage to feel that they're better than others. But I also think that's another important question to ask. Like, why didn't we go up to colonize them? Like, Ethiopia was a nation state. We had nation states or in Dahomey, the Kingdom of Congo. Like, why didn't we didn't go have, outwards? We have guns and boats. Right? So, especially because as Africans, as you know, life began on this continent, mm. which meant we had a head start. Mm. And yet... Why? Why? We are where we are. Exactly. In fact, like the oldest tools in the world come from East Africa. Turkana, if I'm not mistaken. I think the, the first man or first woman is there's a name they have that is from Turkana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only reason why human beings live around the world is because our ancestors figured out how to travel long distances yeah. and survive in those new places. And survive, and then all of a sudden, the earth just broke apart. Pretty much, yeah. Then we needed. And then let's and then let's and this let's also not dismiss the fact that we were practicing in during pre-colonial times neurosurgery, like the Kisi had like a I think it was called they had a specific neurosurgery thing that was supposed to relieve the pressure in your head that they would actually like go into your brain and like do something about it. Let's also not forget like advanced obstetrics like you saw in the Kingdom of Baganda. Thank you, which is basically cesarean sections. Oh, that is not where my mind was. Yeah, and then also, we apparently, there was also a history of uh, spinal surgery in the Great Lakes region. Mm-hmm. So, and let's also not forget, like, variolation, the thing that eventually became vaccination. Thank you. Yeah. Stop using these words <laughs> that none of us know. 
we know you're clever Ellie. no you're okay clever. point is point is point is variolation was practiced in west africa for generations and it was a west african slave that took it to the u.s and showed them how to do it right and so variolation there we go there we go so yet like yet for all these advancements mm-hmm. why didn't we achieve comparable levels of technological innovation as the west mm-hmm. when we are clearly just as capable mm-hmm. why did we develop differently mm-hmm. so before we answer this question i kind of need to get into like the problem with big picture history or the attempt to answer why questions okay. and that's because like it attempts to condense a lot of different factors into a very simple cohesive narrative mm. and at times that might mean reimagining history mm. to suit your own ends um it also misses out a lot in an attempt to like maintain this cohesion for the story so just note that the answers we're going to be talking about here are at the very least like a very high bird's eye view mm-hmm. but they may not hold true for every situation mm. and we're going to be critiquing them as we go okay so What do you think? Why is it that we developed differently? You thought it was weather. I told you it's not weather. <laughs> once upon a time. There's a story, I think I've said it on your podcast before, but once upon a time, mm-hmm. there was this individual covered in blackness, mm-hmm. like dirt, and they went into the river, they took a shower, they washed in the river, and they came out. That was the white man. Then the next individual was born. Oh, that's racist as fuck. <laughs> And he entered the river, but because it was a little murky, they came out as brown. Then <laughs> this just keeps murky. getting worse. And uh, he was the most dirty. Entered the river, and he came out and looked the complete same. That was the birth of a black man. Those are stories that uh, colonial people would give, like baby, like baby stories about how you know we're different. Why are we different? Yeah, it was about taking baths in a dirty river. That is. Mm. not good but, not good at all to be honest i don't know i think it used to like like mess my brain why uh especially because of you hear the places like timbuktu exactly the kingdom um, of mali Egypt, ethiopia, um, ethiopia sudan had thriving economies zimbabwe with a great stone wall like yeah why do we have all that um and still then you had that other thing i don't know i don't know if it was designed i don't know if it was intentional i've all, it's always bugged me but it's never bugged me enough to be like this is why the african developed differently from the rest of the world it's never bugged me that much so i'm not really sure okay so i'm going to present to you two answers mm-hmm. the first is slavery and imperialism mm-hmm. and then the second is geography how does slavery and imperialism help them develop so Before the imperial we'll start with that one obviously. So before the imperial age about like around 1500, mm-hmm. Africa as a continent had a GB- GDP per capita that was very similar to that that was in Europe. Mm-hmm. For Western Europe it was roughly um 1779 when adjusted for inflation. So for Europe that's what it was in Europe and then in Africa it was roughly like $960 mm-hmm. per person. Compared to what it is today where the GDP of Western Europe, as represented by the EU, is 17 times higher than Africa's. This disparity grew in the 1500s, as Europeans began to conquer the known and unknown world, um, and they basically did a bunch of slavery, plundering, and genocide. Um, but um, before then, history suggests that the modes of production and level of technological innovation was 
we're pretty equal. It was the same. Um, in fact, Europeans were reliant upon our ways of refining gold, of creating cloth, of agriculture for their trade. So clearly we were better at some things than others. Yeah. And likewise, they were better at some things than we were. Um, eventually, Europeans would, according to Walter Rodney, copy our cloth patterns and modes of production. Mm-hmm. And then when they became the preeminent power in the world, those their ideas of what it meant to produce or what it meant to be profitable or what it meant to innovate and invent became the only definitions that we would allow. Before you continue, yes. you mentioned a great author and then just split over it. Walter Rodney wrote the book How, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Africa. It is a must read for all black people. Thank you. You may continue. No, it's a it's a must read for any person that's ever been colonized, like any any person who comes from a country with a colonial history. And Walter Rodney, I think he came from Guyana. Mm. Like we have many great minds that came from Guyana. But it's what other great minds then? Uh, oh, is it Franz Fanon? I don't think Franz I, Fanon may have come from. I don't think he was Guyanese. I think maybe he was Al- like Algerian, France. Psychiatrist. Oh, he was born in Martinique. Same thing. <laughs> okay, fine, sure. But there are quite a few. I can't remember who else. If you look at the... Yeah, Algerian French. That's, that's his nationality, Algerian French. France Fanon was... Al- <laughs> Sorry, uh-huh. Okay, he um, was married to a white woman? so much sense you know all of them what? i did not see that coming if you li- li- listen about uh, have you heard of the negritude movement the negritude mm-hmm. what's that about it's like um it was like francophone africa and uh, francophone colonies trying to recapture or re-establish their own identities beyond the french so it had like like great minds who would use art poetry all those things to like re-establish Africanism because you, you, they were taught that being African was backwards. So it had people like um, Aime Césaire, Dion Damas, and then the future Senegal president, Leo Sedar Senghor. Okay. So Very interesting movement. You should read about it. It's fantastic. I will. I, I think we got lost on another tangent. Back <laughs> to you. Back to you. It's all her fault. <laughs> it's She's not my fault. You were the one that was telling me about Guyanese intellectuals. You're not talking Anyway, anyway, any Africa. So in this book, Rodney explains the reasons why, even as the world grew more connected in the 1500s and the Europeans began trading in earnest with Africa, um, we were still, quote unquote, left behind. And that's because even when Africans recognize that, hey, the shit you brought is actually pretty peak and I kind of want to learn how you did that so that we could replicate it. The Europeans left us on red. <laughs> um, in 1520, the Ethiopians be, like asked the Portuguese, hey, like we really like your guns, your cloths, like your books. Like You guys have come up with some amazing shit. We want to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, please teach us. Mm-hmm. And the Portuguese were like, you number who this? Crickets, 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 crickets. I'm sorry, I lost your message. It fell in the middle of the ocean on the way here. Sighs. Um, and they just ignored him time and time again. And as a result of like not only taking away our resources, but also denying us the knowledge to exploit them ourselves, by the 1800s of the scramble for Africa, Europe's, Europe's GDP per capita was three times that of Africa's. Uh, meanwhile, Africa's GDP had stagnated. How do they measure GDP then? I, the economists are very smart when they want to be, so I've been told. Um, as Walter Rodney argues, and I quote, 
Throughout the 17th and 18th centuries, and for most of the 19th century, the exploitation of Africa and African labor continued to be a source of for the accumulation of capital to be reinvested in Western Europe. So that's theory number one, the idea that like, slavery and imperialism took some things from us that prevented our ability to innovate. Um, and while it explains the underdevelopment of the continent as a whole, it doesn't explain why different communities, civilizations, and peoples within Africa developed or had technological innovation at different rates. Mm-hmm. Compare, for example, the Baganda and the Agekoyo, mm-hmm. or the Ethiopians and the Maasai, or the Kingdom of Mali or Dahomey and the hunter-gatherers of the Kalahari Desert. Mm-hmm. Why is it that even within this, this continent, there is such variation? Difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because like European and imperialism and general fuckery might explain why Africa is left behind today but doesn't explain like the differences inside. So to answer this question, we're going to look at a book called Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond. Who brought the germs? Who brought the germs? <laughs> Who brought the germs? So he attempts to explore this question. Bad. Yeah, his actual name is Diamond, Jared Diamond. And um, the question he attempts to answer in this 400-ish page book mm-hmm. is, um, and I quote, why is it that you white people developed so much cargo, i.e. shit, and brought it to New Guinea, but we black people had so little cargo of our own? For Diamond, the answer is very simple. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to develop the same technologies because the conditions we found ourselves in allowed us to do which is the bare essence of human life, which is to procreate. Right? We had enough around us. We had, we had developed enough around us to be able to procreate sustainably, mm-hmm. to be able to keep going in terms of civilizational growth. Mm-hmm. And um, therefore, for Diamond, it's not so much about like this idea of like inherent intelligence or, cap- or capabilities, mm-hmm. but rather it's about the environment. Mm-hmm. So here's the basic summary of the argument. If you lived in a place that allowed you to grow enough food to grow your population, then you'd have more people to invent and nurture technological devices. Mm. This would happen because as you specialized in food production and you got better and better at producing more food with less and less energy, Mm. you could then afford to have people not involved in constantly (laughs) figuring out how to survive, right? Those extra people could then dedicate their time to like the arts, Mm. to government, to being lawyers, to being traders, to being merchants, to being, uh, to refining minerals and figuring out ways to exploit this wealth. They could also critically turn their attention towards being warriors. So now you have the birth of a warrior class because you've produced enough food to not only spare the labor, but also to feed the standing class of people who cannot go out to the fields and work. Um, Now, this labor specialization will eventually allow you to acquire new technologies through not only innovation, but also through trade, like how gunpowder, paper money, and writing move from east to west. Okay? And also, if you're producing a lot of food, you're no longer looking for it from place to place, Mm -hmm. which means that you're no longer like a nomad and you kind of settle. Mm -hmm. And once you stayed in one place, you got a lot better at fighting the diseases associated with that place, Mm -hmm. which meant you're living longer lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as fewer people died, you then also have more people dedicated towards technological innovation and food production. Eventually, All of this would snowball to the 16th century when Europe attempted to conquer a piece of the East themselves and instead discovered the Americas. Mm -hmm. 
There, their superior food production, which allowed for technological innovation, a class of warriors and diseases and immunity to diseases like smallpox and measles, met people who did not have these advantages. Mm. And this allowed them to colonize the Mesoamericans, the indigenous Americans, the First Nation tribes, the people of Southeast Asia, and then eventually us. Pretty much. <laughs> Um, so for Diamond, again, it's not about intelligence or resourcefulness. It is literally about geography. You get what you get and you figure it out. Um, in the introduction, he says, and I quote, history followed different courses for different peoples because of differences among people's environments, not because of biological differences among peoples themselves. Diamond, that is a sharp argument. <laughs> See what I did there? I did. Diamond is the sharpest thing. I, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative. Yes, that was a good pun. Mm, but the pun was hard to break. <laughs> actually, that was good. That's very good, actually. <laughs> okay, so what do you think about his theory? Does it does it making sense? Are you sensing uh, I don't potential know holes? Think, it makes perfect sense, I think, mm-hmm. that the environment needs to the need for advancement need for advancement then leads to technological innovation and then you go from there so if you learn that the land is fertile and you don't need to look for your meat and you learn that you for your food and you learn that you can plant then you learn how to plant more and how to grow more mm. and how to plant more efficiently and then you progress like that yeah i think it makes perfect sense and then of course he speaks about how the muzukus brought germs when exactly they came, they came to conquer they were like Ooh. like the whole idea of thanksgiving isn't isn't it it's like a very dark thing. It's so dark. It's basically the Native Americans helped the white people not and die. So they learned corn. Yeah, like they learned how to survive in that new environment. They taught them how to fish, how to get food, how to build shelter, how to survive in the new world. And then they turned around and killed them all. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you celebrating? Some really? intentionally, some unintentionally. They did, like, wasn't there a whole thing where they would actually like put smallpox on like blankets they would give them? I, I'm not sure if that's... I, I, think, I think that definitely happened because germ warfare has always been a part of warfare. Um, there are even stories in like the 12th century of the Mongols throwing people, like diseased bodies, into cities that were trying to seize and just hoping for the best. Oh my God. Specifically like plague-ridden bodies. I think it's not the 1200, the, the 12th century, the 1200s. So the Mongols are fun. So... Um, and so in, in this thing about geography, right? Like the reason why it developed in the, for want of a better word, it developed in the West, ideally, as we like to remember it, is because it was just easier for it to develop there. Like think about all the cradles of civilization, where they are. Mm-hmm. Egypt, mm-hmm. where the Nile is, the Fertile Crescent, which is the like Syria, Iran, Iraq, Israel, Palestine, which is where the Euphrates River and the other rivers are named in the bible are <laughs> and then you have china where the yangshi river is mm-hmm. that was also one of the first civilizations and geography not only enabled really good food production that then led to technological innovation it also enabled trade right because mm-hmm. according to diamond because there were a lot less natural barriers between east and west it's literally like one straight line mm-hmm. um you could have innovation moving from country to country, society to society, making its way across the continent. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, for Africa, because it's north-south, and you're dealing with specifically the Sahara Desert, 
which you cannot pass without a camel. Like, you will die if you try. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have any ships to go around. So unless you were on the Nile, which Ethiopia was and Sudan was, which explains why they have a lot of, like, rich history mm-hmm. behind everything that they've done, you're kind of there fucked. No, there was no, like, route of trade. There was none whatsoever. No route of learning. Right, yeah, like, like none whatsoever. Um, so now, and that's, and I think that's why the these modes and innovations didn't spread far and wide. Um, for example, horses reached Egypt around 1800 BC, mm-hmm. but could not cross the Sahara for thousands of years. Really? Mm-hmm. Sahara does. You know, the Sahara doesn't actually used to be like green. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it was once green and then sand. <laughs> In fact, there are some theories that suggest that, like, you know how the Egyptian um, civilization may have collapsed because of an invasion from the sea? Mm -hmm. Some um, historians suggest that it wasn't from, like, water sea, but the sand sea, the Sahara. So people came in from there and just decimated that civilization. It's very possible. You never know. Um, For example, livestock also reached the northern part of the Serengeti at around 3000 BC, but could not cross the Serengeti for 2000 years. And pottery and Sud- pottery was in Sudan, but the Sahara basically meant that it could not spread to the Cape until the first century AD. Okay. So not like this barriers. This theory is making a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah it does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's simple enough, except this theory doesn't vibe with the specifics of history. First, Diamond's book has a lot of historical inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. Um, number one. I knew it. No, number one. You're gonna make me interested in what he's saying. No, 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 no. However, no, no, no. It's it's important that you have these criticisms. That way, you have like a much better understanding of what he's trying to say. Because I also agree with the general gist of what he's saying. That like I do think geography plays a role in how we developed. I think, and I think that because necessity is a mother of invention. If you don't need something, you're not gonna use it. If the thing that you need is just unfeasible. Like, you can't continue to use it. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Then you're not going to have it. True. All right? So, first, we're going to talk about the historical inaccuracies in his book. Okay. Diamond, unfortunately, buys the line that, like, Europeans conquered and colonized and plundered because they had guns, they had germs, and they had steel. Mm-hmm. And while all three factors played a decisive role, it was the alliances with the locals that helped the Europeans colonize time and time again. After all, like we said with the Thanksgiving thing, the, those indigenous and natives people knew how to survive in those places. Mm-hmm. Had you not brokered an alliance with them for knowledge, you would not be colonizers. Yeah. Um, so when in chapter three, Diamond suggests that it was technology, technology like guns and writing and steel that helped the Spanish conquistadors win against the Incas, mm-hmm. he does so at the expense of the local alliances. He kind of forgets to mention them. Mm. Um, He also gets the order of events wrong. Um, It wasn't that like a hint of whiteness blew across the air and then like the germs they spread wiped out a population. It was that Europeans changed our ways of living, which then allowed diseases to kill us. Mm. We like, they took us from like large open spaces and put us in cramped reserves. Mm-hmm. They went from, we went from having contextualized and responsive agriculture to agriculture that suited their needs. Mm-hmm. We went from being able to like take care of ourselves to now constantly being brutalized every day of your life by a white man. Um, so because life just kept getting harder and harder and harder, disease is obviously going to kill you. 
Um, and I feel like he forgot to mention that, which is really important. Um, similarly, he says, like, because we became really good at food production, we learned how to domesticate animals. Mm-hmm. And that then taught us how to fight these diseases because those animals that were domos- domesticated brought diseases with them that we then figured out ways around. Like, for example, smallpox, because mm-hmm. the earliest smallpox vaccine came from cowpox. It's true. So? Also, smallpox killed, like, a lot of the size. So- the Maasai is... My God. You know, the, the, the stories are that the Maasai community was one of the mm-hmm. largest in Kenya. Like, it was like an empire on its own. By the time of independence, I think the Maasai people are like 200,000. It's like very small. They were number. ravaged. They were ravaged. Destroyed a lot by disease. So here's the thing. We all like to think that diseases come from domesticated animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but they actually come from the wild. In fact, today... 72% of animal-born illnesses come from the wild. Or do I need to remind you about COVID? I think we're good. <laughs> or smallpox, or smallpox, which came from rodents. Or well, the one with the Black Plague. The Black Plague that also came from, like, gerbils and rodents. That's why, that's why humans have built a very weird fear of rats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. People scream. Like, remember Tom and Jerry? Like, ah, jump, yeah. Jump on top of couches and things. Everywhere. Please don't remind me. I, yeah, sp- I once saw a rat on my compound and I was like, no, nah, I'm not fucking with you it. Like, what? compound. Yeah, they're everywhere. Mm-mm. Anywhere that there's food, they're there. Don't remind me. So anyway, diseases come from the wild, not from domesticated animals, okay. which means that how then could we have developed this ability if to fend off these diseases if it wasn't a byproduct of food production? Mm. I think we just got better at it. Um, so in essence, like Diamond's conclusions are based on a version of history that just never really happened. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem with big picture picture history. But does that mean he's wrong? No. The points he raises are incredibly valid. Um, as I said, like germs, guns, and steel did play a role in European domination. But the assumptions that Diamond makes in order to justify his conclusion also take something away mm-hmm. from its credibility. But perhaps my biggest issue with this book, as I was reading it, was that he ignores the role of European agency. At no point does he say that because the Europeans were technologically advanced, they had a right to conquer. At no point does he ever make that argument. But he also just assumes that the technology transfer from east to west, from north to south, sorry, south, yeah, north to south, failed because geography prevented it. When we know that it was Europeans consciously choosing, I'm not going to share my work with you. You can know, but you can't know everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like we already discussed the whole Ethiopia-Portugal um, angle, right? Um, but it's but even like when geography is no longer a factor, because we're now able to move from point A to point B like this, because of like planes and ships and everything, Europeans continue today to decline to share what they have. And continue to take more and more from our countries. Um, and even today, like when the West refuses to build us, to help us build the things that we need, they act all shocked when we go to somebody who will, i.e. China. And they're like, you should, like, no, you, we told you what we needed. You didn't listen to us, assuming you knew what's better for us. So you can't be surprised when we, when we turn around and figure out a way to satisfy ourselves. So in the words of Lionel Richie, Ceylon. Sorry? You never heard Ceylon? I don't think so. What is this song? Ceylon. What is it? It's like the biggest breakup song of the 70s. My, Ceylon. 
Good times never fail so good. Okay, I think the only I think I only know two Lionel Richie songs. The first is all night long, all night. And then the second one is okay. I feel like I okay. There are some you must know. They're not even Which a discussion. Which one is it? You Which know one is more. it? You know three. You, you know three. Hang on, Lionel. No, 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 not even Google. You know no, three. I need to. You know I need three. to. This one you know. Let me tell you. Hello, hello, hello. It's hello. Why could you let me say? <laughs> you know another one. Say you, say me. You know another one. Um. I know, obviously, we are the world. That one no. I know. Yeah, he sang in it, yeah, apparently. That's not the one I was saying. Easy. Is it Endless Love? I think I know Endless Love. Yeah, with Nana Ross. Mm, I know Endless Love. You know Easy. How do I know Easy? Because I'm easy. Uh, um, I'm e- easy like Sunday morning. Mm. Commodores had a song like Night Shift where they, they sang for this is when he left because you know every great person has to leave their boy band. <laughs> they left the Commodores and then they did a song for Marvin Gaye and Jackie something called Marvin. It's called Night Shift. As in, come on, you need to know your 70s music. I mean, my 70s music is basically limited to like the Jackson 5 and then early Michael Jackson, maybe some Diana Marvin Ross, Gaye. Marvin Gaye, um, Aretha Franklin, maybe. Bee Gees. Bee. Mm, uh, I think ABBA as well ABBA, comes from the 70s. Well, the Bee Gees is not just thing alive. I think that's it. Maybe, maybe a couple of 70s country songs. Like I feel like Country Road must have been from the 70s. John Denver. Country Road. You guys not impressed that I know all these people. Take me home. Mm, anyway. Barry we keep... White. Damn it. Okay, look. Let's finish. It. We're so close to being done. Isaac Hayes. So close to being done. Okay, look. Look. Some... some, some academic break to the minds of people who are like sizzling like bacon look the point is like diamond kind of ignores or overlooks the role that europeans themselves played the roles they decided that they intentionally did yes um cover. my se- my second issue then mm-hmm. is that is something that you raised at the very beginning of this episode which is that he presupposes that the things we came up with weren't good enough like he's using European inventions as the benchmark upon which we evaluate our own mm-hmm. inventions and and capacities and capabilities. The whole problem with like the modern world is that, don't you think? It is. Everything about what we conceive as, as modern was sort of brought to us. It's changing now, but why do we wear suits to work? The, I was having the same conversation in my mind. It makes no sense that in Kenya people wear suits. Why were our mothers forced to wear like perm their hair and tie it back with a hair tie when clearly African where we told to have English names. Like, everything that we consider civil today is based on a European standard of civilization. Yes. So, but there was so much more. You know, there was Eastern civilization. There were so many things Africans brought and then were destroyed and then they came back. No, 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 no. So, that just takes us back to the question that we had at the very beginning. Why didn't most of Africa develop like Europe or Asia or the Mesoamerica or mm-hmm. India? Mm-hmm. Um, even internally, mm-hmm. why did we have different rates of technological innovation? Mm-hmm. Um, why did we seemingly like stop at our ability to make iron mm-hmm. and we didn't like turn that into swords? Swords? Yeah, swords. Swords. Swords and all this fun stuff mm-hmm. like the Europeans came up with. 
what do you think before I give my answer? Because we're on the last page. Literally, like, the last two paragraphs. Well done. What do I think about... Mm-hmm. I think my answer remains the same. I think the world is born to know answers, but some things just... It's a series of events that lead to a like a living that is just so complicated. I don't think that you can say one thing pinpointed. First and foremost, to say that most of what we lived through was 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 under development, I think was mm-hmm. you get my hand gestures answers <laughs> that question. Um, <laughs> uh, but why I d- I've there is more than one. I really agree with uh, Neil Diamond. Jared. <laughs> Jared Sharpness. Jared Sharp. Jared Diamond. Mm-hmm. With some of his arguments. Of course, you've pointed out that some things he doesn't make total sense of. But I do think there are so many mini factors that lead to an overall factor. It's like how the, the, the scientists talk about how things have to be perfectly yeah. inst- put together to create the big bang. Yes. Like... So I think it's so many small things that, yeah, and colonize. I think human beings were born to conquer. Give us a bit of weaponry and feel we were better than others, we would conquer. That was just what people did then. But I've not answered your question at all because I don't have an answer, but it's complex. That's my answer. I think my question is not so much, like my answer is that we didn't need to. Like if intelligent design is a thing, like as you mentioned about how the conditions for our life in on this planet are so exact, yeah. so precise for us to exist in this moment to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's really weird to think about because mm-hmm. what are the odds? Infinitesimal, as we've been told. That's why very many like big, uh, um, what do you call it? astrophysicists? Scientists, scientists, yeah. Believe in the world of design. Intelligent design, design, right? It just makes It makes more, more sense. sense. Everything worked Perfectly. And not not only that, but like we haven't been able to find these same conditions replicated anywhere else. else. And the places where we have found it, they're so far away, you might as well just have, just continue to ignore it, right? So if intelligent design is indeed a thing, and that there is a maker who took their time to design our world, then I don't think they would have wanted us to develop all the same. I think they would have wanted a, a diversity of thoughts and experiences and practices and knowledge traditions mm-hmm. because that diversity is what allowed us to survive. Mm-hmm. Our ability to adapt to any situation, to any environment, can only be can only exist if there are different environments. Mm-hmm. Can only exist if we're put in different places. Um, which is why, like, yeah, I just I don't think we needed to, and I wish that we accept that. And then we don't, and that we're able to say that and then not turn around and say, and try to place a value judgment and watch each civilization has been able to do with what they have. Mm. Yeah. Um, because, ooh, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, and, the, like, oh, damn it, what am I trying to say here? I remember. What are you trying to say here? What I'm trying to say here as well is that this knowledge is also like that idea of we needed to develop differently in order to survive in general, I think is coming back right now. Cause I, you, you even shared this article with me about how like a 10,000 year old Ethiopian agricultural practice is now making its way back into Ethiopia and back around the world. I shared that? Yeah. Oh, cool. Because 
we have so thoroughly fucked up our agricultural systems that we need we need not new ideas we need old ones because they were sustainable exactly they were sustainable but then the europeans came and decided no 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 I'm, I'm gonna need everything you have here. You know, Thank the you. The best thing and worst thing for like population, our population, mm-hmm. was how advanced we have become in farming. Like, it's it such good farmers. It helped us reproduce at like a mass rate. But then think of what we have done to the environment as farmers. At one point, the soil stopped giving us food. Mm-hmm. What did we do? We developed fertilizers. Fertilizers. Then they started getting diseases that we probably brought. We developed pesticides. And we keep increasing and increasing. Now Europe is going to the point where they're rejecting pesticides and all those things. But that's like what farming... Look at Brazil. Mm-hmm. As in commercial farming is decimating the, the Amazon forest, which people are thinking is now... Which is, which is one of the things. You know, like, apparently there's some things that are for all mankind. Yes. And people believe the Amazon is for The all Amazon, mankind. like the Great Barrier Reef. Mm-hmm. Some would say, um, like, a couple of heritage sites in Kenya are for all mankind. A couple of heritage sites. There's, like, the bottom, 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 bottom. The Mariana ocean, Trench. Which is considered for all mankind. Space for all mankind. The Antarctica, the, Un- the North and South Pole. Those are things that don't, are not supposed to have one person, one group of people make decisions over. But look at how... The Nile, I think. Under Jair Bolsonaro, like, was... Like people were breaking thousands of um, kilometers of acres per day. Was it millions? I don't know. No, I think it was of just logging and farming and livestock cultivation. Guess what? That's what we've been taught. You want to feed your population? You have acres of land that they have fertile. Just use it. Because the Amazon is untouched Mm -hmm. as much. So I think food is very interesting. Like food has been our greatest achievement as human beings. And our greatest weakness. We've also defined, developed extremely unhealthy foods, which some of us are addicted to. Like oh my god, yeah, sugar is amazing. Uh, sugar, fried chicken. Like anything that's fried, anything with that much fat. I wonder who found that out. Who's like, if you put oil, heat it to a certain temperature, and then pour food into it, it comes out as this amazing thing that human beings, by the way, forget air fryers, forget human beings have never been able to replicate in a healthy manner. Yeah. We try air fries, which they're okay, they're crispy. But it's not the same. It's not the same. The flavor Um, is off. Try oven, still doesn't work. It's not the same. You need mouta (laughs) oil, and then unhealthy oil. Unless you're like McDonald's with beef tallow. Oh. Okay. Imagine air fries were never vegetarian. People used to think that McDonald's fries. A veg, like one of the few veg things on the menu. No, no, no. Actually, actually, no. Actually, um, the rule is that for McDonald's is that if you want like fresh vegetarian fries, you have to ask them to make it without salt Mm -hmm. because then they have to use like fresh oil and everything. Yeah. And hopefully that's better. Yeah, but as in McDonald's for the longest time, the reason their fries were considered the best in the West was because they used beef tallow. So good fries. So like beef fries. So now all those people who are vegans at the time and they're like, you know what? I'll just have the fries. Whoops. So on that note of fries and fat and developing differently, um, TLDR, which is too long didn't read, we think it might be geography that explains why we innovated at different rates and developed different things. Um, but that's not the right question. Mm-hmm. The question is. I think it's it, it's fascinating to look at like why it is we are so different. Yeah, very fascinating. But the real complex and stressful. 
exactly but still fascinating mm-hmm. but the real question is not why we are different but why we are so desperate to use those differences to treat each other like shit mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's the thing i don't understand very interesting but i also kind of get it i'm not going to lie like as a kenyan i i do look at uganda and and tanzania with a bombastic side eye just literally see this is why you say like you cutting me off is just so terrible like guess what? What? Hey, right. We're at the end. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I can't ask them now. Why it's, not? It's gonna be like a four episode. No, yeah. it's it's we've only done an hour. I think, that, I think our longest episode was like an hour and forty minutes. minutes. Yeah. Fine. So I'll ask that question. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go into, um, so as my my fifth question was, life can't exist without inequality of some sort. Yes. We as people are configured to judge. So like. Do you agree? I do. We must feel we're better than others. I do. I, I, we can't feel we're all equal. That's a dream. That doesn't make it not worth working towards. Yes, but even like goals and all those things are literally to make us stand out. Like human beings are born to stand, to want to stand out, stand apart. Like we want to be better than something. If everyone is great, then, then, no, then no, no one, one is great. Isn't it? As Syndrome said, if everyone is a superhero, no, no one, one is. is. No, you have to put the drama. If everyone is a you have to do the laugh. <laughs> no no one, is. one is. Woo! Syndrome for the win. I will one day watch. I think I'm almost ready to watch um, Incredibles 1 and 2 again. Oh, not, not the second one. The first one's peak. The P. second one was epic as well. I mean, it was very thinly veiled cap. It was very, it was very thinly veiled criticism of like everything. Just but it was too obvious. No, because of problems. We have, like all of you are getting welcomed into my world where you're just repeating content because there is no new content coming. Oh yeah, because the writers now the actors have gone on strike as well. <laughs> I think. The saga was I think. Of, I think Barbie and Oppenheimer might, might be the last. last two major yeah, because like hey. all films which were out of the actors and writers stage and were in the like post production stage, those will come out. No, I'm but not sure because already, like, already. I think it's like. Dozens of movies have been postponed. By and the, series like, as well. Things. I'm sorry, all of you people who are thinking of getting us as a No, no you're not. Year. I'm actually surprised. Bridgerton, number Bridgerton one. Eh. Me, the only one I've not had. Young I'm Sheldon. People try and postpone. My house of the dragon after I've already had to wait I think years. so. Uh-uh. It's called solidarity. Uh-uh. It's called solidarity. Years. No, you know what? It's, it's not just solidarity. At some point, it's not worth it. If you give me three, four years, you know what? Season, actually, actually, I will, I will beg to differ. Sherlock, I have waited years in between seasons of Sherlock, and I will go back to watch the second it comes back. Like with um, that guy Gambino, Charles Gambino, with his show Community or or Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta's fantastic. Like a two, three year break, and everyone was like, "Yeah, we're waiting." House of the Dragon, you give me two years. You give me two years. Then I've said I'll wait the two years, and then you say we're adding a year. I'm sorry. Okay, but but to answer your question. I do think that human beings are fundamentally unequal. I think that I think the reason for that inequality is because like that genetic diversity is what number one mm-hmm. allows us to survive because mm-hmm. you're learning different lessons based on what you have in front of you and each of those lessons will come in handy at some point. But I also think that for some reason, I think owing to our like tribal nature, the fact that like we need to feel secure in a group and one of the ways to build a group identity is to say fuck that other guy. Mm-hmm. So I think because of that, we take those differences that we have mm-hmm. and we make them indicative of that entire group's culture. Mm-hmm. 
and what it is that they're and and indicative of their inherent in inferiority mm-hmm. so for example of like we are i don't know uh rich and we have big butts then we assume like that's what's good mm-hmm. so then we then make fun of and disparage anyone that is poor and is like is a stick and it may be terrible because i am the biggest lover of sport mm-hmm. like sport is me mm-hmm. sport is my life mm-hmm. sport is base sport is life i watch football basketball rugby american football and uh, then i watch formula one and tennis at a lower level but you know what those are some pretty basic sports football rugby basketball and american football it's some basic I sports mm-hmm. religiously football like weekends august 12th from august 12th the premier league is back Arsenal have just broken their record to sign Declan okay. Rice for 105 million. Pounds. Okay, listen. Can I can I say this? The way you feel about me and Love Island no, 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 is no, the no, way no. I feel about Tell you and football. Women. <laughs> women. This is going to get me in trouble with your followers, but women. Ati women. And look at men. Women. They look them in the eye, dead in the eye, and look at you like we don't understand sport. And then watch trash TV and say, how come you don't understand just like how you don't understand why you hate sport it's not that i hate reason. it i just haven't found a sport that vibes aligns with my character and trash tv aligns with your character i can switch off my brain when i'm watching love island so it's deeply is entertaining no, your character is trash yes it's called Would you do what these people are doing what no what do you mean this their experience is horrifying you are constantly watched you can't have conversations about like real things it's only yeah. about the relationships and, and like the drama ah oh, so like it's so, so it, it's an existence i would not wish upon myself but it's entertaining to watch i've had long like lifelong friends and you've been in relationships like what percentage of love island reactions and emotions exist in real relationships actually both, a lot of both, them both both like partner wise very little a lot of them so like, for example i understand like common things like jealousy fine everyone gets jealous um lust and like wanting to to hit everyone understands that but those things oh yeah if I'm putting no. a cluster of 12 people, six hot guys, six hot females, and I am told, explore. The job is to explore. If I cheat on you, it's because I have been put in an environment where they want me to cheat Exactly. The, so, so then the challenge becomes about communicating. It becomes about measuring your emotions, engaging your own remote emotions before you continue uh, on in that new relationship. Is this thing exist? 10 in the UK, there is the also UK. Love Island USA, France, Australia. 10 in the UK, 12 people per episode, per season? More than. Like 24 people per season. Maybe that's 30. 30 people per season. Okay, let's do simple math. 30 people per season times 10 seasons. That's 300 Look, people. listen. Oh, basic math. 300 people have walked through the, 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 the casa. The villa doors. Wherever, it's called the villa. Wherever. It's called the and villa. And now you add another like 300 for stuff like Josie Shaw. Uh, oh no, Jodie Shaw is the same characters for the most is, part. Okay, what is the other show? Um, it's on Netflix. X on a Beach. No, it's become very Too Hot popular. to Handle. Too Hot to Handle, X on the Beach. Now you put all those things. Let's say 500 people have done mm-hmm. all these. Brick Brother, all these things. How many of those relationships have existed? It's like 1%. One percent. Why? 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 Because you're taking horny twenty-year-olds who are not the best for marrying, mixing them with other horny twenty-year-olds, 
you're putting them in an environment where they're the hottest of the hot people in the world that you're putting together. You make them, this is a fact that she told me, by the way, that they share one room and share one bathroom. And you are then saying, I don't understand how these two don't end up together. It's... No, 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 no. I understand how some of them don't end up together. Like I get it. Majority of them. Like I get it. Same majority. Okay, fine. I understand that a majority of them don't get together. Um, mainly because like life. Okay, so in the villa, this is a tangent. I'm so sorry. But like, listen, listen. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm comparing in the sense of like your level of dedication, devotion to not only the thing that you're watching, but also the community that you that is has surrounded that thing. My sport is because I feel I could play. Like I feel I can go outside, call Aileen and a few other buddies. And the reason about the game. Can I call you? Can I? Let me ask you. Can I call you and a few of your friends and a few friends? We come into my two bedroom apartment since all we need is one room. (laughs) That's gross. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, and then we do a love island. Okay. The thing with Love Island is you're not going to emulate the the stuff that, like, the actual things they do in there. Although the games, some of the games look like fun. Um, some of the games for drinking. For no, no, no. I was thinking about, like, snog, marry, pie. Like, where you have to, you're given three people, you have to decide if you're going to kiss them, marry them, or shove a pie in their face. That looks like fun. I would only do um, but like, uh, with Love Island, it's not that you want to replicate what you're seeing on television as much as it is like you see the patterns in your own relationships anyway. You see the lack of communication. You see your own attachment issues reflected on TV. You see a lot of the things that you don't, you can't name and you're not aware you're doing and then you're like, oh, I'm identifying hard with this character. I get, I get why. Okay. Right. It's very interesting, but moving on. I will never understand. Love Island. You should watch Love is Blind. Love is Blind is good. Love or Island. The Ultimatum. Keep the Queer Edition. Ooh, it's so good. The Real Housewives. All that trash to me. I don't get I just... And there is one show. I watched one season and I finished. Which is? Too Hot to Handle. Really? The first season? Yeah, I, I, I found it season. so stupid. Especially but with I Francesca and Harry. There. Ugh. I went there for the express thing of one thing. Well, do you want to... Oh, so really? You, you, you didn't want to see which of the horny singletons would uh, crack first? Because that was the point. Oh, yeah, it was that they couldn't sleep together. They, no, it's not they just eat anything. 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 I was like, hey! <laughs> no, even, even some of those rules, I was like, no. <laughs> that was a little bit, but all the others. I'm just saying, sports, there's a reason that men are into sports. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a reason why men are into sports, as you were so sexistly saying. There's a reason. It's just about conquering. It's about the warriorness, feeling better than others. Like, being together in defeat, but it's all about victory, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, Mm -hmm. we've been talking, we've been chatting. Somebody wants to play NBA, 2K23. No, it's because someone else has a meeting. My meeting? Do not throw me under the bus, okay? Do not throw me under the bus. I love my PS, but I'm playing it because you have a 30-minute meeting and then you've made me stay in my house waiting for you so that we can watch a movie. That's it. But anyways, now that we have reached the end of Utejuwa, Holy Utejuwa, shit, Utejuwa, the graphics are actually pretty good. Episode, I don't know if this is episode 160, whatever. Imagine, we haven't even gotten to 50 episodes. This is 49. <laughs> for two episode, years of podcasting, 49 episode episodes. Episode 49. We will close with the ending of the chicken and chicken, cow and chicken ending. You know, you know how it ends? Three, two, one, and. <laughs>
you so much for listening to the Utajuo Hujui podcast. I really appreciate you giving me your time of day. I know that your time is very valuable. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at utajuahujui.pod. That is at U-T-A-J-U-A-H-U-J-U-I dot P-O-D on Instagram. Please don't forget to like, share, review, do all the nice things. I could really use the boost. Okay, enjoy the rest of your time on this planet. Goodbye.